Hi, this is Christopher Moore, famous unknown author, and you're listening to The Booked Podcast. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. I am going to <laughs> unabashedly say that this is the book I've been most looking forward to this year. So let's start there, and then we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this winds up going because it can meet my expectations. But there's always that chance, and it happens to me all the time. The more excited I am about something, very often it fails me, um, partially to do with my expectations. And, and and I mean, I say that very objectively, standing outside myself. But really, it's always the product that lets me down. It's never my expectations. It's never you. Yeah, it's um, never me. No, you're probably, I would say this is probably one of your most anticipated books since, uh, what, summer of 2018 when we reviewed Baby Teeth? Um, yeah, I, yes. I, I, the Starless Sea also yeah, was, that, was, uh, was yeah. one that I was very much looking forward to. Um, that exceeded my expectations. Cause so, I, hey. That one was weird. I was really excited for it, but in the back of my mind, I thought there's no way it's going to top the Night Circus. And, you know, it kind of topped the Night Circus, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah let's see let's see where we go with this all right uh here is the bios so we're reviewing wonderland you probably saw that in the title but i don't think we mentioned it um by zoya stage zoya is the usa today and international best-selling author of baby teeth published in the uk under the title bad apple which i would have to say was a bad choice that's not part of the actual um author bio i just thought i'd throw that in there i don't like the title bad apple do you yeah i mean yeah yeah it's not as good as baby teeth that's what i'll say for sure the novel will soon be available in more than a dozen countries baby teeth was a usa today bestseller a people book of the week and voted by barnes and noble bloody disgusting goodreads and forbes and booked as one of the best horror books of 2018 uh, i also may have edited um a little something into that part it was optioned for film by village roadshow slash valparaiso pictures her next novel wonderland is published now well yeah now yeah i i just i just broke all of the magic of of the time distortion of recording and then <laughs> and posting later yep it's all me i'm gonna blame the bud light seltzers that i'm drinking tonight it's well rob I can tell you it wasn't my it wasn't my expectations. It was you. It was me. It was me. All right. Well, we're being consistent at least. Uh, all right. Here is the synopsis for Wonderland. Shirley Jackson meets The Shining in this richly atmospheric and thrillingly tense new novel from the acclaimed author of the deliciously creepy debut Baby Teeth. One mother's love may be all that stands between her family, an enigmatic presence, and madness. After years of city life, Orla and Shaw Bennett are ready for the quiet of New York's Adirondack Mountains. Or at least, they think they are. Settling into the perfect farmhouse with their two children, they are both charmed and unsettled by the expanse of their land, the privacy of their individual bedrooms, and the isolation of life a mile from any other neighbor. But none of the Bennetts could expect what lies waiting in the woods, where secrets run dark and deep. When something begins to call to the family from under the earth, beneath the trees, and within their minds, Orla realizes she might be the only one who can save them if she can find out what this force wants before it's too late. With an ending inescapable and deeply satisfying, Wonderland brilliantly blends horror and suspense to probe the boundaries of family, loyalty, love, and the natural world. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the synopsis. And I realize the part I want to talk about isn't technically part of the synopsis. I, I, I hate this kind of thing. This Shirley Jackson meets The Shining. Mm. Like, to me, whenever I see something like that, it, it kind of, like, is the implication. And I, I don't know that, that it wasn't the inspiration for this, right? That she was like, oh. That she's aping this stuff. Yeah, what if The Shining was a little more Shirley Jackson? Which, you know what, it's fine. But I don't think that that's what it's indicative of when... Um, and I'm fairly certain, and again, I could be wrong, that, that Zoya did not write that part in, that that was right. done by somebody at, at uh, Mulholland Books. Um, but I just, I don't like that. I mean, I get it. They're trying to give you a sense of, oh, I like Shirley Jackson. I like The Shining. Maybe I'll like this book, and that's certainly a possibility 
I just always feel that it it cheapens the 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 story that you're gonna read when it's compared to the this weird blending of two different stories or two different authors or whatever. That makes me think because I've been I've been thinking about that kind of thing uh, on and off recently, um, where like you said, it's obvious why they choose to do it. it. It's, it's a, you know, it's an easy way to explain. You're saying a lot of things in a few words by saying, Oh, it's like the shining. All right. Well, I know the type of thing the shining is. There's probably some sort of like haunted aspect to it or whatever. Um, but I don't think that way. Like I don't process things in comparison to other things. And for example, uh, on, on social medias recently, someone was, was, uh, post posed a question. Um, hey, there's, you know, whenever Paul Tremblay's has a new book out, I always buy it right away. What are the authors that you, um, do that for? And, uh, so like a, co- a conversation went back and forth. And in one of my, one of the people I listed was Zoya stage. And someone said, Hey, I've been meaning to, to read baby teeth. What is it like? What, 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 what would you compare her writing style to? And I just couldn't fucking think of anything because I'm like, she writes like Zoya Sage. What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, I feel like some of us look at something for what it is. And then like we could broadly categorize it as horror or thriller or suspense or whatever. But like I don't typically draw comparisons to other works as much as like a style of something. So when I was explaining Wonderland to someone, you know, I used some keywords of like what type of thing happens. Like, you know, there's a like even in the synopsis, it talks about something begins to call the family from under the earth. So I said, there's kind of a spoiled earth kind of thing going on, like something's not right. But I never said, oh, it's like The Shining that has like a haunted right. like place. So I, I, I'm with you on that. And I wonder like I wonder what the divide is of people who like need like some analogy to something else to understand versus people who just don't. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, but that's, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those things you couldn't, cause you could poll people, but I don't know how much people even know that right. they're impacted by that. Like I've read some Shirley Jackson. Uh, I've read the shining. I understand exactly what they're saying. And are there elements? Absolutely. Yep. But I can't think of a book that I've read that doesn't have elements that are in something else because there are no stories <laughs> right. left untold, right? Like that's like right. it's how she handles this particular story. So we'll we'll get more into it into the review, I guess. But I don't know, man. Just lately, that's been that's been bothering me because I feel like um, you know this book or Zoya Stage deserves better than than the comparative. Yeah, and honestly, like, the thing that bothers me about it is, like, realistically, if your book has someone being attacked with an axe, it could be compared to The Shining, even though that probably isn't, like, the majority of what people think about when they think The Shining. So, like, it's a... It's a la- I don't want to say lazy, but it's an easy... It's like a cop-out way of describing something to someone. Yep. Right. We right. haven't even started talking about the book yet. <laughs> That's right. Now, now that we have beat up part of the synopsis, let's get to this book. Um, yeah, the synopsis is is uh, holds very true to the book. So, um, Orla and Shaw Bennett, a couple, they've been married. I don't know, give or take ten years or, or whatnot, maybe a little longer. <clears throat> they lived in New York City, where Orla was a um, a ballet dancer, and Shaw kind of did you know, random things to kind of uh, keep some money coming in. And now the time has come. She's up uh, for retirement as uh, ballet dancing apparently is not something that you can do into your 50s. I never really thought about it, but you don't see a lot of, you know, elderly ballet (laughs) dancers. That is probably a younger person's um, art form. Um, But to do that, they've decided to move essentially to the middle of nowhere so that uh, Shaw can um, uh, pursue his I'll say latest dream because he's had a series of, of artistic endeavors that, that he's tried over the years, but the newest one is painting and they choose to move, as it says, into the Adirondack mountains. Um, literally like not within like earshot of anybody else. 
Yeah, and for anybody who's so like, I actually looked up the the area because at least the general area that the story takes place is actually real, and it's like the very upstate New York, um, basically on the western side of Lake Champlain. So like far northeast part of New York State and I've driven through like parts of New York State not even like crazy upstate but like yeah so when they make the decision to get this house because it plays out a little bit we see them working with the realtor to buy the place they weren't necessarily in love with it but it like Shaw who is the the husband father in in the family felt kind of drawn to the place in a way so like even in the beginning when She's just laying out the steps to get us to the house. There's this kind of unexplained being drawn to the place, which was uh, which was nice. But then the the timing of them going up there when they actually move up there is early to you know I'm assuming late November, early December. So it's winter time basically. So um, for for people who have lived so long in the city. And I'm assuming their kids, Eleanor Queen is is nine and Tycho is four, probably haven't spent much time in the wilderness at all. And so they're moving to this entirely new like new lifestyle in probably one of the most dangerous times of year. Yeah, and to kind of further expand on where they come from. Um, they lived in New York City, which is very expensive, and they essentially lived like in a one-room uh, apartment. So they, you know, all slept in the same room. They were, you know, kind of one on top of the other. And now they're moving to a, you know, a modest, but for them, very sizable dwelling, which is a like a key point for me in the relationships in this book is the 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 feelings around having had someone in the same room with you whenever you were home, basically, and transitioning to a a more private, personally private lifestyle and how that affects Orla, whose whose eyes we see all of this through the the whole book. Yeah, I guess that bears mentioning. Um, So the book is from the perspective of Orla, but like a third person perspective that's fixed on her so it's narrated as a third person but all through her her point of view um so one of the things that happens consistently throughout the book is when there's not dialogue or action happening a lot of what we're reading is her thinking about what's going on thinking about the you know positives and negatives of all the things that are going on and and pondering um obviously as the book goes on and things start to get maybe worse or 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 not as picture perfect as they expect the situation to be um like questioning choices and stuff so we very much see the story from her mental process of going through everything that happens in this story um one of the benefits of going to this bigger house in the middle of nowhere was the focus on Shaw um, exploring his passion for painting. Like Livia said, he was always some like somewhat artistic, but hadn't really landed on the thing. And um, especially after visiting the house to view it when they were con- contemplating buying it, um, painting became like the main focus and, and, and having, seen the house and and especially like the surrounding nature and and particularly there's this massive tree um his painting even before they left new york city to go to go to live there really kicked off and so um there the whole conceit was orla has to retire she's kind of aged out of being a ballet dancer um so that's why they decided to move and it was kind of shaw's turn to be like the kind of creative focus of the family and his inspiration was just overflowing now that that he saw this place and they decided to buy it and they're going to move out there so that he can be like unencumbered 
with his exploration of his his passion for painting. God bless Orla for being willing to to do that. That's all I could say on that. Um, <laughs> Rob mentioned the children more specifically, so we have Eleanor Queen, um, which I have. I absolutely love the fact that she's called Eleanor Queen through most of the book, like by Orla, um, who's nine. And a very, very smart um, and sweet kid. And so is uh, Tycho, who's four. Uh, the two of them, as mentioned, had, you know, they'd seen nature, obviously, but they, they've spent their entire lives in a, in a small, cramped um, New York City apartment. And this is uh, their first chance to kind of spread their wings and have a, a large place to play and not be afraid of, you know, being run over by a taxi, which is mentioned um, a couple of times um, in the book. So the whole family um, packs up and moves over the course of the first um, few chapters and moves out to this uh, new place. And it doesn't take long for, like, odd things to start happening. Now, if you're a city dweller like uh, Rob and and myself um, um, have been, uh, or even, you know, the suburbs or, or whatever, some of these things seem like they could just be something odd that happens, like, outside of the place you're used to. But more and more they they kind of seem odder and odder yeah and honestly like from the very moment they arrive um and i don't think this is this is a spoiler but it sets up like there is there's definitely a creep factor to what livia's uh just mentioned and it's it's kind of advertised right off the bat when they're unloading from the car they first get to the house this is their first time actually arriving after you know their trip out of new york new york city and eleanor queen says out loud as they're getting out of the car are we gonna die and so that started that chilling element where it was just like regardless of their if there's anything to her asking that question I'm going to feel creepy about anything that is introduced. So I, f- <laughs> I feel like that was a great way to set up. Like when the girl has this kind of knee jerk response to just the place that they're going to be living with, um, are we going to die? That makes everything that comes creepier. For sure. For sure. Um, one other element that I want to mention that I don't think is, is spoilery is, Eleanor Queen and her father Shaw seem to be more affected by whatever odd things might be going on than Orla and Tycho. Um, so I, I say that because I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but just know that I'm, trying, I'm now rereading the synopsis, right, to see what I what words I can pick. <laughs> um, you know. When something begins to call to the family from under the earth, beneath the trees, and within their minds, right? So uh, that's indicative that that you know half of this family um, is is probably more affected by that than the other half of the family. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, aside from Tycho, everybody has some sort of unexplainable um, experiences. Orla's not. Um, immune to weird things happening to her, but um, not necessarily in that connection to the whatever under the earth thing that Livia said earlier. So like um, Tycho being four years old, I'm thinking just is the, is immune to understanding more than anything. And I think that's a big part of why his character doesn't get creepy shit happening to him. Although, like, I don't know what the age... Like, what's the age where you're old enough to qualify for creepy stuff to happen to you? I mean, look, I don't know. <laughs> at three, at three, you can still convince a kid you stole their nose. So at four, yeah. maybe you just take the weird things as normal. You know what I mean? Like, as, right. as a like sense of wonder or not. A, yeah. Like, you like don't have a proper barometer new. for... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I learn new <laughs> stuff all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it, essentially we can't go very much farther with, with plot, right? Know that there's a family, know that they're semi isolated, know that weird shit's going to go down. That's a, that's essentially the, the plot of this book. Yeah. Even in the synopsis, Orla realizes she might be the only one who can save them. If she can find out what this force wants before it's too late. That's pretty much how we're going to end talking about anything plot related. (laughs) 
Yeah, let's talk about this uh, this family though. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a good portion of it is is obviously very relationship driven. We we essentially only have four characters in the whole book, right? <laughs> so, obviously, in, in any book with only that many characters, like lines have to be drawn from like what everybody's relationship is to everybody else. So, um, they're a very loving family. They care for their children. The kids are sweet. They're fairly intelligent for their ages. I think. Um, but you know, Orla and Shaw have, you know, you know, they have marital things, right? So they, they, they clearly love each other, but Orla is not thrilled about this move. Um, Rob said it, it comes up in the book for Shaw was, it was his turn, you know, to, to kind of do what he wanted because she had the previous, however many years to, to do her thing. And, and he was very supportive. Um, but I, I think that it, I think it's written, um, well from that standpoint point like the husband wife um tension in parts is is good as as they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on um as far as some of this weird stuff and then i i mean orla's relationship with eleanor queen is 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 really i think the the strongest and when i say strongest i mean probably the the best written relationship in this book do you feel the same way i do yeah i fully agree yeah and it's it's really this um this understanding of one another. And, and it's really a two way street. I think Orla has a very good understanding um, of what her daughter needs and, and how her daughter operates. And, and then the opposite is also true, I think, which, you know, takes me a little bit back to baby teeth in a very different way, <laughs> you know, but the, <laughs> the understanding there was, uh, you know, they both understood what made the other one tick. It's just that the child in that one, you know, use that to her advantage as she didn't really care so much for the fact that, that her mother was in her life versus mm-hmm. uh, in, in this one where, where it's different. But I, I still think that I'm guessing that Zoya writes mother daughter stuff really well and will probably continue to do so. One of the interesting things about um, the way the book is written to one of the effective things I should say is that um, this it's ve- like, as we very clearly stated, this family has never lived in this type of environment. And so it allows for there to be ambiguity about whether things that are happening are just things that happen or if they're things that like they should be concerned about. Um, so it allows for a sort of slow burn for the, you know, the challenging parts, the things that are, that are happening to the family to kind of come to light as like, these are legitimate concerns versus, I mean, a lot of things could just be written off as, you know, uh, you know, things that happen when you're living in rural America. So I think she did a good job of, um, we know what's going on, but like building the ambiguity to like, so like if Orla reacts as a parent, to not necessarily believe when a child says something because, oh, that's just a, you know, that's just a trick or whatever. Um, it makes that more believable that, you know, they could explain away things that might naturally happen or be expected in the situation that they're, that they're living in. It's a tough thing about writing. Um, probably any supernatural type of book is the the normal non-supernatural people's reaction to it right um it's always hard to gauge how you or i would react to any of these things um (laughs) wait before you move on i'm going to say that in one of our episodes you were ready to move out of like wherever you lived because the bed shook because illinois experienced an an earthquake so i think we know where you land no no but but that's what i'm saying and that's why it's it's i think it's tough to write characters reactions because we're sitting safe and sound on our couch <laughs> right. reading the book. And then there are times where you're like, Oh, come on already. What the fuck? Like, why haven't you figured out that something is very wrong? Um, but that goes yep. back to what you're saying is that I think it's written well as these things start to happen. I, I think that the family, um, the mixed family responses to it are good. Right. Conflicting responses yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. Can I also say, and I didn't say this earlier when you were talking about it, but it's so hard to imagine. I've never been in New York, but when you say New York, everyone pictures New York City. 
And, and to think that this remote place, you could have said it was in, you know, like on a mountain in Germany, and I would have believed it just as much. It, it, it's so weird to think that, you know, this book takes place in New York. That's, I, I understand why you're saying mm-hmm. that, but <laughs> since I lived in Vermont for... Right. A little while, like I have a different perspective, but I sure. totally get because, like, when you, yeah, anytime you say New York, there's exactly one thing everybody thinks of. Yeah, like you say Illinois, and some people think of Chicago, and some think of people think of the plains, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But New York definitely lends itself to <clears throat> hustle and bustle. Here's in, what I'll say one. about fucking New York State like, some of the most expensive tolls I've ever experienced in my entire life are driving through the state of New York. That's um, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting observation. <laughs> Nothing to do with I anything. I am aware. That's okay. So, um, anything else you want to talk about before we head over to spoiler talk? Because I feel like there's some things we need to talk about over on that other avenue. Uh, no, let's jump over there. So um, if anybody is not aware, um, if you go to Patreon.com/booked, we sometimes do uh, what we call spoiler talk. So we talk about all the things that we don't want to spoil over here. Um, in, 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 for our Patreons who support us, uh, Patreon supporters who support us at the $2 or more a month, uh, level. And to date, we've probably done like 60 or so. Uh, so anybody who wants to, you can support us by joining our Patreon, choose the $2 or more level and, um, have access to this spoiler talk plus everything we've already done in the past. So it's kind of a nice bargain for those of you who are just uh, uh, discovering it. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of the times our spoiler talks help us to kind of solidify um, our, our overall thoughts. And it also helps us to clarify things for each other in a way that um, protects you who might not want the book spoiled um, from having listened to. So jump over to patreon.com slash booked two dollars a month and listen to what we're about to say. All right. We are back from a very productive spoiler talk. Uh, but I say that every time. So the only way you can tell if I'm lying or telling the truth is two bucks a month, patreon.com, patreon.com slash booked and, um, and check them out. Yeah. I just want to make sure everyone understands it's not required that you listen to them. You can contribute and choose not to listen to. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want people to think like, Oh, I got to give them two bucks and I've got to listen to this shit over there. Yeah. No, you don't have to, you're not required to, but you'll (laughs) probably want to. Once the first of the months hit, and all the money goes through. I don't care what you listen to. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> um, we're going to launch into our um, wrap ups and uh, I'm going to have Rob go first this time. I knew I was going first this time. I just knew it. Dude, Baby Teeth was great. Um, I actually re-listened to our review of Baby Teeth and our interview of Zoya Stage um, in preparation for talking about this. So uh, I will say that um, we raved about the book and uh, <laughs> there was even a part where Livius was talking about <laughs> like vaping at work and reading the book and crying. And it was just <laughs> so if you haven't listened to our Baby Teeth review, go back. I think it's episode like 413 and um, check out what we thought about that book. But very, very much anticipating uh, reading this book for a long time. She sent it to us close to Christmas time and it's just everything inside of me to prevent me from reading it ahead of time. We didn't read it until this week and we had it. It was just sitting there taunting me. Um, but the wait was worth it. Uh, we like to go into these reviews as fresh as possible and I wouldn't have remembered to talk about all the, the wonderful things that we talked about if we waited. Uh, but this isn't a review of our process. This is a review of the book. The characters developed wonderfully. The story, absolutely creepy. Um, And uh, there was like uh, great development for the characters where there was just touching moments and the the family felt very real and I felt uh, very connected to them. And uh, Livius and I talked about a lot of stuff in in Spoiler Talk that we enjoyed, but also some of the hangups. And I'll say that the hangup that people will most likely experience in my perspective is that um, it's not a page turner of a book the whole time. So um, because we delve into a lot of Orla's thought process and stuff, there are some parts where the pace is a little bit slower. And even though I feel like it absolutely was the right way to go with the book. I know someone out there is going to bitch about it. So like if there was any low point, it is that the pace is not like your big, scary thriller 
like page turner pace. That being said, literally everything else about this book is wonderful. I felt like the book started out super creepy. Um, there was a lot of tension toward the end. Um, it was more uh, wondering what the rev- resolution was. So like you exp- I experienced it differently throughout the book, um, but it definitely made me feel very creeped out in points. And there was actually moments where I'm a grown man. I'm in my forties, but like, I was like, I'm leaving these lights on for a little bit longer at night than I usually would. Um, she just does a great job of, of telling a story. And this is a great example of that. Uh, overall, my score is 8.25 out of 10. Um, I want to start by saying, and Rob can edit this out if it's not um, important, but it is July 12th. And because the town I live in is way behind the times, there are really loud fireworks going off randomly. <laughs> I've managed to mute myself through them. So if this doesn't apply, Rob can take it out. But if you hear bangs in the background, I don't believe it's shooting. I'm not terribly concerned about it. I'm just going to try to get through my wrap up. <laughs> um, I want to echo a little bit what Rob said about pace. Um, Overall, I think the book was probably paced properly, but I agree with his, um, his idea that, that there will be people that bitch about it. And and I'll be honest, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Um, Pace was the lowest of the eight scores I gave it. And for me, it was mostly um, through the first half of the book. Um, Pace is probably the only thing that kept this from being my highest rated book this year when I look at the numbers breakdown. So that's might be a little spoilery as far as where, where I land on my final score. Um, I know Rob can can probably um, verify this. I'm sure I talked about Zoya Stage writing relationships great in that review of Baby Teeth. Um, and I think that she continues that trend with her follow up um, Wonderland. I really liked um, how the interactions were written between all four of the family members and then Orla's inner dialogue and her feelings about her husband and her two children, uh, be those good, bad, or indifferent um, through different parts of the book, were very well written. And for me, nothing grounds a supernatural story better than the real parts of it, the parts that I can feel or um, experience in my my life in relationships with other people. So you can have the same supernatural story and have that supernatural element be exactly the same or every bit as good. But if you take out the solid people and relationships in it, it becomes less believable to me. So you're putting believable people into an unbelievable situation. And for me, that that makes for the, the most realistic type of supernatural storytelling. And that's that's what this book does here. Um, it is very creepy. Um, I understand the Shirley Jackson Shining um, references, and, and you probably do too if you're familiar with, with those particular works from the parts that we gave you. What I will say, and this treads in a spoiler territory, that this book takes a shift about halfway through, and it changes... Um, a lot uh, of the the not just the the pace of the story, but the type of story that you're reading. And that's really where this book excelled for me. Um, I gave it a 10 for conclusion, um, which is, I think, the second 10 I've given this year for conclusion. I, those usually fall somewhere between, you know, seven and nine. Um, I really loved the way she wrapped this book up. I love the characters. I love the second half of the story. I enjoyed the first half. I don't want to, you know, down talk it, but I mean, this really changed for me um, going into the second half of this book. And uh, when I round out all my scores, even with a fairly low score and pace, um, the final score is 8.63. That puts it 8.4375 out of 10 for us. And one of our highest rated books of the year. So uh, following up, the question that we put at the beginning of the episode, does it live up to the hype that we dumped all over baby teeth? Like, uh, or, or is it a disappointing second outing, which is, it's like one of the most like unfair things you could ever ask. (laughs) No, not at all. It's, um, it's, it's very different from baby teeth, which is good too, because who wanted to read another baby teeth, right? Like, I I mean, (laughs) You know what I mean? So she's taken her storytelling in a slightly different direction. And I really enjoyed it. There's things I want to say here that I said in spoiler talk and I can't. So I'm kind of like (laughs) 
stuffing myself back down. But no, I, I was I was very very pleased with Wonderland. Yeah, me too. And I understand. I'm like I, I jokingly acknowledge it's unfair to compare someone's book to another book of theirs um, from the perspective of uh, readers do it all the time. Um, but like, yeah, like as a as as a reader, sometimes you have no. It's not your choice. You just kind of naturally think about them versus each other. Um, and I think that it comes from the fact that we want her to be as successful as possible. Like we read and loved baby teeth. And because we were so um, invested in baby teeth as a book, we want her to just either, you know, match or exceed with the next book and the next book and the next book. And, and I feel like she, with the first book, we said she's whitelisted for, future reviews wonderland absolutely cements that even further if soya stage comes out with another book um if and when we're reading it we're reviewing it we're going to be talking to her about it oh absolutely without a doubt listen i thought it was a travesty that she didn't win the bram stoker two years ago an absolute travesty (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah yeah that was a tough pill to swallow yeah yeah i mean so Whatever, Zoya, if you're listening, booked is totally in your corner <laughs> on this, despite whatever mild criticisms you may have heard um, during the course of this review. So <laughs> but, I, I'm very excited like you. Um, man, this has been sitting on the shelf for like six months or seven months. And every time I looked at it, I thought ah, I should just open it up and read a few pages. But no, I, I was also good and did not start it until uh, a week ago. And last Sunday, I think I started or maybe it was Monday. Yeah. Great experience. Thanks, Zoya, again, for two excellent books now. I'm very excited yeah. about four. Now, since we mentioned the waiting a long time, I know we, we talked about it on previous episodes, but like it was everything in, in me, again, to not just immediately flip open and start reading Mallory uh, because we've had that for months. And, and I figured now that I'm done with Wonderland, why don't I just get jumping on that? Um, so I, I practice a little restraint. I haven't started it yet, um, but that is the next book review that you're going to be getting from us is Mallory, the follow-up to Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. I did not practice the same restraint. <laughs> um, my, my work life has been uh, a little bit uh, difficult of late, um, so I was much later in finishing Wonderland than I wanted to be. I actually um, left for work early this morning um, to get some breakfast eat my car and finish the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 pages of Wonderland. So um, this morning, before 9.30 a.m., I had finished Wonderland. I had also finished the audiobook that I was listening to, um, The Chain, which I'll probably mention here in a little bit or talk a little bit more about. And then on lunch, so like four and a half hours later, I, I cracked open Mallory and started that one. Mm. Now, I want to say logistically, um, we're, we just wrapped up. Our, our conversation about Wonderland, which um, re- is is available the day that our, our episode is, is releasing, but also The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones is releasing the same day. So Stephen Graham Jones, The Only Good Indians, available July 14th. We will be reviewing it the week after we review Mallory. So we'll be a couple of weeks behind on that one, but that doesn't mean you have to wait. Go out and buy that book too. Yeah. And then you can listen to our review and know exactly what we're talking about. You can yell at your iPod <laughs> or your phone or whatever. If you're sitting in front of your computer only listening at this through a website or you're copying them to CDs, um, which, which we haven't brought up in a long time. For anybody who's listening, while oh Rob is, is getting gathering himself, oh. we, we did talk to somebody who would download our episodes and burn them to a CD so they could listen to them in the car. Granted, this was you know, nine ish, eight years ago. Still not an excuse. If you ask me, but listen, look, that's dedication, man. I love it. That's so, yeah. I mean, I'd rather that than people just choosing not to listen. Yeah. Listen, there's going to be a Patreon contribution level where we send it to you on audio. (laughs) Like every week I just record this to a, to a, um, cassette tape, hit play record. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and I just I just push it up next to a speaker. <laughs> That's what I used to do when I was a kid. I'd yeah. record songs on the radio, like the original, like um, piracy, right? I'd wait till like the the top five at nine because I'd know like some song yeah, I yeah. like is probably gonna be in the top five. Yeah, and I Jesse's girl is playing on the radio. 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest. I may have had a copy of Jesse's Girl with an intro from a, from a top five. The one that really jumps out at me, and I know I'm, I'm way off track at this point. Um, Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell oh, yeah. and Michael Jackson. I definitely had that recorded from, you know, probably like B96 at the time, maybe. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's how I that's how I used to get music when I was like eleven years old. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you're really interested, you know, hit us up. We can work something out where I I go on Amazon and I buy a bunch of ninety minute TDK tapes, and uh, I, I record our episodes and I put them in the mail to you if that's your preferred way of listening. So the fucked up thing about this is I actually own a full size cassette. Um, recorder thing like it's that like rectangular shape and it's got the handle that slides out you know what i'm talking about yeah, no, I, I what you're talking about yeah like they would probably use in interrogations back in like the 80s i have one of those and i think i have unopened blank cassette tapes so if, if someone actually like if sean ferguson's like yeah that's the way i want to take in this um uh podcast we can make it happen drive around in my 86 pinto <laughs> listen to booked oh wow uh, uh um yeah, so I mentioned the chain, and I, I think I mentioned it last week too. This was a, a hype book of 2019, um, and I, I just finished the audio book. Um, this is one like I know that a reader, like the right, um, when I say reader, the, the person who reads the audio book, can can enhance um, a, a book and and maybe even make it better than it being on the page. Um, I was not a fan of the reader of this one, and I think she hurt the experience for me. So if you're listening, and I apologize on every name, sorry. Um, mm. But man, uh, it was an interesting premise for a story. Are, are you familiar with it? Um, no, which makes me feel bad if you explained it in the last episode. No, that's okay, because <laughs> I'll explain it again, because I don't remember if I explained it in the last episode. Essentially, what happens is um, the chain is a... Uh, uh, a, a ladder of people that all have done or are going to do this. Um, your ch- child is kidnapped. Oh yeah. Yep. You, did yeah, say you it. get a call. Yep. You're, you're told to pay a ransom, which is within maybe not exactly within your means, but not like no one would ask you to pay a million dollars. They would probably ask you to pay $10,000 based on, you know, what they know about you financially. Right. So something that might be a little bit of a stretch for you, but you could do it. And you have to kidnap a child and set up the same thing. So once that person has kidnapped a child, you can let your child go. Or they'll let your child go. So we we jump in on this with one woman, a single mom, whose child has been kidnapped. And she becomes part of the chain. So she has to kidnap a child. And then that person has to kidnap a child. Um, so it was it was a, it was a very interesting premise. It did peter out a little bit at the end. Um, <laughs> I would have I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, a, a, a better conclusion to the story. But I was kind of fascinated by the premise. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. I'm gonna say, like, someone had to think about, like, what what would be an even better way to kidnap kids and 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 have ransom, like. Well, like you're not involved in it at right. all. Like a majority of the interaction is the person who kidnapped your kid telling you what you have to do. And they right. can through you briefly through like encrypted messaging apps and like phone calls from like burner phones with um, with voice, you know, modulators or, or, or whatever. So really interesting premise. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So I don't want to say what petered out at the end for me. Um, it's definitely a page turner. It's a fun book. Um, I don't know that it's a great book. It's a great premise and an okay book, I guess is how I would probably sum that up. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be made into a movie or a, or a mini series or something sometime soon. It, it definitely has that potential for yeah. sure. Um, I haven't done any audio books, but I've watched a few things that I could talk about. Well, is it, is it Hannibal again? No, no, this is new. Okay. Oh. oh, do tell. Or new to me stuff. Um, I'll start with the one that's less exciting. Uh, just the other day. So last night I watched, um, there's a, oh man, I don't even know the name of it. Uh, the Old Guard on Netflix. 
Not familiar. Yeah. So it's a it's a Charlize Theron. Um, it's a Netflix movie, and she's part of a group of people who are like immortal, basically, like they can't die, but they've been like warriors um, through the years, and um, they get they're basically like they're a mercenary group that gets hired to do something. Like, uh, you know, if, if a bunch of kids get kidnapped or a school gets taken hostage or something, they get hired to go in and, you know, save the day kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Based on a comic book series. And uh, it's 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 a little bit weird. You could tell it's got that kind of like comic book concept thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it was pretty well done. It's actually like a it's a it's got hints of of like some of the more modern action that you see in like a John Wick or Atomic Blonde but the story is 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 definitely different. I overall I enjoyed it. I would even probably consider watching it a second time. Um but it's kind of a weird concept. One of the things that really <laughs> I really enjoyed about it was like the main bad guy uh or or the person that is revealed to be the bad guy at some point. Uh and this isn't spoiling anything. I don't care. Is the kid who... Well, you didn't watch any of the Harry Potter movies, did you? No. No, I have not. So Harry Potter was raised, because he lost his parents, was raised by his aunt and uncle. And and he had a cousin who was this just fucking little asshole who was like this tubby kid who was super spoiled and everything, and he was just the worst. So anyway, the big bad guy in this is the guy who played the annoying cousin in the Harry Potter movies. I have a question. Yeah. Do you feel that the ending of this movie needs to be explained to people? Uh, That's it, uh, a weird question. Um, <laughs> I'll explain <laughs> after you give me an answer. The, the yes and no. Okay. The actual, the actual ending. No. Okay. Well, I Googled it as you were starting to talk about it to, to see what this was about. And um, if you use like Google Chrome, They'll give you like a couple of entries. Usually it's like Wikipedia. This right. one, it's Netflix, then Wikipedia. Then there's a, a video section and the videos are not surprisingly the trailer. But the second one is the ending of the old guard explained. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this for movies that I couldn't fathom who needed an explanation. Like I, I don't watch them, but they pop up in my YouTube feed or, or whatever. And then there are ones where I've actually watched. So like one that comes to mind, like any time travel movie, right? Right. If they're like the ending of Primer explained, I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good one. Or like Interstellar or whatever. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Inception yeah. is one I know I've seen, not that I've watched, but that I've seen come up. You know what I mean? So I was just wondering because this did not sound like the kind of movie that needs the ending <laughs> explained. So I was like, are they just now making them for, for literally everything? Like, you know, the ending of Star Wars explained. I, I think they are because, like, yeah. they, there's nothing confusing about the actual ending, but there is a post credit thing. So, gotcha. That's all I'll say. Well, of about course, that. it's based on a comic book. You can't right. have a comic book movie without a post-credit thing, right? They That's... very obviously keyed up a sequel with their post-credit. Uh, oh. But I will say, <laughs> so I, I saw a random article um, today that said that it was like it, it was already in Netflix top viewed movies. Like even though it was released on the tenth, and the, we're recording on the twelfth, I watched it last night on the eleventh, and so like that's just fodder for David James Keaton to complain about how Netflix can just say whatever they want because they don't, you know, because like it's all internal, like there's yeah. no one can hold them accountable for for their ratings kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I I did a screenshot of the article and I said, do your thing. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, here's what I will say while we're on Netflix comic book. Um, this isn't a movie, it's a series. I am excited that uh, at the end of this month, uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2 comes back. I really enjoyed Season 1 of Umbrella Academy. I did not check that out. Yeah, it's a, um, uh, you know, more like adult-type superhero show. It's not, you know, uh, about adults necessarily, but it's, you know, one of those, like, grittier um, comic book TV yeah. shows. The the comic book was um, written by Gerard Way, who was uh, the the front man, or is still, I guess, again the front man for My Chemical Romance. Oh, like when the band broke up, he started doing like graphic novels. 
So um, I, I I don't know uh, about the old guard, but if you're looking for like a kind of interesting um, comic book uh, series, uh, Umbrella Academy, now is the time to watch season one. And by the time you're done with that, season two will be right around the corner. Very nice. Well, would you like to hear about the uh, the other movie I watched just last night? Yes, because you said that's the more exciting one. Well, I think you'll be more interested in it for sure. Okay. Um, so I'm flipping through iTunes. I like to go through iTunes and um, look for little like deals every now and then. One of the categories that they always have is like now in 4K. Okay. Where you can kind of look through and see like what what movies are now available in 4K. And one of them kind of stood out as as looking like it didn't really belong. Have you heard of? It's a 2011 movie called The Woman. Yes, Jack Ketchum. So you're aware of this? I've seen it. It's Jack Ketchum, and I I feel really bad. I can't think of. Towards the end, there he was working with another. I believe it's yeah. a fella, um, Lucky McGee. Lucky yes, McGee. It is. Lucky I mean, I can't yeah. can't believe I pulled that out without like looking it Good up for you. Yes, I saw the woman. So I'm like, oh, this looks interesting, and I I look at the trailer, and I'm like, this looks really fucked up. And I see, obviously, they give Jack Ketchum's name, and I'm like, all right, this makes it even more interesting. And then I see the price. So if anybody is interested and uses iTunes to buy movies, it's three bucks on iTunes right now. So I was like, can't go wrong spending three bucks. It's real fucked up. Yes. Uh, I, my first thought is after you know we got through the Jack Ketchum part is, why would anyone want to see that in 4K? Yeah, <laughs> like like that almost lends itself to be a grittier film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'd almost yeah. want to see a reduced quality copy of that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real fucked up. It's, yeah. So anyway, it is, I own it. For anybody who's familiar with, well, anybody who's familiar with Jack Ketchum is probably familiar with The Girl Next Door. I would say that it has a similar theme to The Girl Next Door. And I think anybody who who's seen both will know exactly what I mean as far as that goes. Now, for anybody who's not familiar, essentially what happens is there's this um, seemingly idyllic family who lives kind of rurally. And the father figure of the house is a lawyer. And um, while he's out hunting, he stumbles across like a, a feral woman, basically. She seems like she just lives in nature and lives like in this little kind of natural cove under a tree near a, near a stream kind of thing. And, um, he basically captures her, takes her home, ties her up in a little cellar and introduces the family to her with under the, the, um, the guise of wanting to make her normal, like civilize her. And obviously that's <laughs> not what happens. <laughs> it's real fucked up. No, because if, if, if it went well, it would be, uh, what's that one where Brendan Fraser is a caveman that's frozen? <laughs> Encino Man? Encino Man. Then there would be Encino Man. So, no, it, doesn't, it does not go well at all. I've wondered, and, and you know what? One of our listeners, Jesse, could probably actually point me in the right direction. I almost wonder... If she is not necessarily a character, but from like the same type of group from um, Ketchum's first book, um, Off Season, and I forget what the sequel is called. It, it deals with with the characters that are could be similar to to the woman in the woman. Are you trying to not spoil stuff? Um, no, just that they're they're kind of like live off the grid, um, aren't civilized. You know, they're 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 almost. Like I don't know, cave people is probably not the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, right. well, so I've I, I often wondered that. Not often. I read, I read in a description somewhere, like, and it doesn't happen in the movie, but um, maybe I was looking up the the book it was based on or the story it was based. I don't know. Um, that like she's from like a family of like cannibals or something. It almost sounded like it was like something you should know about. Yeah, then maybe maybe that is an offshoot of um, off season. I'll have to look up the. De- I I think it might be the description of the book because it's not something that's touched on at all in the film. But I remember reading about it somewhere. 
I pulled up Jack Ketchum's works. I, I guess I never realized that was a novel. I only saw it as a movie, but that came out as a novel in 2010. And Lucky McKee, M-C-K-E. Yep. I said McGee, but it's it's McKee. Yeah. I, I think if you're if you're if you're okay with allowing yourself to get a little bit disturbed and grossed out, um, it's it's kind of a slow plotting story, but it's like uh, it's worth it just for like the like Jesus, this fucking happened to kind of like you know part of it yeah um if if uh, if it comes up on special you, you'll want to check out the girl next door which is possibly more disturbing than the woman <laughs> great that's awesome so yeah far more excited about that one than the Charlize theron um comic book movie for sure yeah that's i knew i knew what order yeah. to present them yep. in i yep. i know yep. you before we wrap things up, um, it's something that we don't do very often, but I just, uh, I was on our YouTube channel. By the way, we have a YouTube channel where um, our episodes are posted. If, if if using YouTube for some reason is easier for you than Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, um, we do have a YouTube channel. And I don't pay a lot of attention to it because we traditionally haven't drawn much audience, but like lately some of our videos are getting more attention than like their like audio episode counterparts. So like I, I dip in and look every now and then and, and especially we don't get a lot of comments, but something popped up recently that, um, which uh, is a real charmer on our, on our YouTube comments. And I wanted to just have a quick conversation about it. I sent it to Livius so you don't have to pretend like you don't know what's coming. No, but yeah. no I'm, 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 I did not look into it, though. I am in the process of doing that, though, as you're speaking. So I'm going to read. Uh, this is a comment that's a reply to our episode for Max Brooks's Devolution, the actual book, not our interview with Max Brooks. And it's from. Are you looking at the dude's account? <laughs> um, oddly enough, I'm not seeing the comment. Okay. It's uh, what I will say is I think that, and I'm not, this is me not being familiar with YouTube too much. I think that it's in review. Like it's not available on the regular website. Um, so that's why you might not see it, Livius, but um, I'll read it uh, again. This is about the book devolution uh, from YouTube user Conan dash the dash barbarian Bryant dash four twenty. Uh, and, and here we go. I'm on chapter 19. It's cringy as FK comma. The citizens of green loop comma should never be in the mountains with an apostrophe S at the end. I couldn't relate to them comma being a straight white straight S T R E I G H T white comma male second amendment comma loving omnivore comma. The only reason I keep listening, comma, is because I can't wait till the squatches kill and eat these, comma, chicken shit liberal pieces of dog shit, laughing face emoji. That being said, comma, I loved WWZ the book, not the Brad Pitt, Brad Pussy Pitt movie. It was absolutely nothing like the book. <laughs> um, so many thoughts on, on that. Um, my first one is I didn't watch the movie because I already knew. Um, I, I'm not going to try to remember, but that, yeah, I, I don't, that's okay. <laughs> so I, I mean, everybody's entitled to think what they will. I don't, I don't think this guy, I don't even know what to, I don't even know what to say about this dude, but obviously the best thing to do is to dig further when you have, when you're encountered, encountering something like this. So <laughs> first of all, I didn't realize until I, I pasted the link to Livius in Slack, but um, <laughs> under his username in the little message, it says, I love the, and then in all capitals, Lord God almighty and his son, Jesus and the Holy spirit. And I've, so I'm not religious. I've never really looked in the, the Bible, but I don't know if the Bible would agree with wanting Sasquatches to kill and eat chicken shit liberal pieces of dog shit, or even consider people to be chicken shit liberal pieces of dog shit. But that's me being naive about religion, I think, more than that's, anything. Um, yeah, I, I don't know enough um, <laughs> to, to, to comment on the, on the Bible's thoughts on, yeah. on any of that. I just don't think Jesus would be like, Hey, I read this book. 
Brad Pitt's a pussy and um, Bigfoot needs to eat chicken shit liberal pieces of dog shit. I just don't see it just doesn't sound like the other stuff I've heard from Jesus. I everything okay over there? Yeah, sorry, I, I totally hit okay, my microphone. Okay. Apologies. <laughs> No, that's all right. Um, I did go to Lutheran school through fourth grade, and I, I don't, I don't remember any of that. But I'll be honest, I don't remember much of it because I was like ten years old or however you are in fourth grade, eleven, maybe. I don't, I don't know. That's fair. And again, um, I'm naive about this too, so I, I could be wrong. Sure. Um, well, I, I appreciate the listen. Um, as Rob said, you can always go to our YouTube page, <laughs> click subscribe, even if you don't listen there. Um, there are a few videos posted there. I'm sure there will be more once Rob and I can go back to snuggling on his couch and making videos. Um, we, we had a plan, and that plan was impeded a little bit by the pandemic to have a few more videos. Um, so if you don't mind, book podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Um, Rob's right. I was just looking at some of these numbers, and I was like, oh, look, here's a recent one that that it did um, as well, if not better, than than our actual audio downloads. Um, yeah. When I say videos, or Rob says videos, um, the reason we don't push it much, it's really just the audio stream over, like, an overlay card. Um, so there's nothing to see. Um, but I, I find, oddly enough, that I, I do occasionally listen to our podcast on YouTube because a lot of things I see on YouTube are mostly me listening to. Like, I'll listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, and it'll just play through YouTube, and it's very rare that I even look at the the screen because there's not a whole lot to see. So, at any rate, you can check us out over there, too. We'd uh, we'd appreciate the subscriptions because we'd like, um, uh, eventually, to grow that that part of our podcast, too. Yeah, and I guess from time to time, we might, you might see a comment like that but um yeah I, I think youtube the thing that i like about youtube and the thing that it might be useful for people is that youtube search you can search by whatever topic you want so i think that people who don't know to go to us as a podcast to to get book reviews but want to know about devolution they just search devolution in youtube and you know so i think that like it's definitely beneficial from like an easeability of, of finding content um, in a way that like podcast apps aren't always. So um, yeah, I think we should probably consider making it more, more of a common thing that we do because we might, we might reach out to more people. For sure. The prison population loves us on YouTube. Prison population does love us on YouTube. You know, speaking of which, we should really um, start looking into when that dude's getting out of jail. Nico Walker. Nico Walker. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Well, maybe we'll have an update in one of our upcoming episodes. So or... I just, I just, I'm on YouTube, so I just typed it in, and apparently he did an interview with NPR four months ago. So uh, we may we may want to reach out. I, I think I'd like to talk to to Nico Walker. Talk about having to refresh my memory on a book we read. Um, I don't know, whatever, five years ago now. It was 2018. Um, was it really 2018? Really? Yeah, we read wow. we read. Actually, it's funny because we read Cherry right before or after Baby Teeth. Like it was the they were next to each other. Um, what I will say is that. I know we're talking about Cherry now, but it is in development as a movie with Tom Holland, uh, who you might know as Spider-Man, playing the main character in that. So that's exciting. That's the newest Spider-Man, right? The like really little yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Really I, haven't little seen, guy. I, I haven't seen that movie, but he strikes me as a very small Spider-Man. He's well, yeah, they keep getting younger is the joke. Like, yeah. The next Spider-Man's going to be like 11 or something. Could be. Well, they have one who's really young. I want. Did you see that Spider Into the Spider Verse? No, I. I yeah, I. I, it, I have not. Yeah, it's the cartoon. It was. It was actually pretty good. Um, but it, it focuses on one of the other like Spider Man, like people who become Spider Man in like an alternate universe, and it kind of tries to tie all of it together. Mm-hmm. And he's got to be like fourteen. There you go. I watched it on a plane like limited viewing like in the little little um tablet that's in the seat yeah. in front of you that's that's what i settled on <sighs> probably flying to and from france like you do all the time uh, now flying um yeah that was on my way to france <laughs> to france yes that's that's where i watched it oh you know what i know we're about to wrap it up and something just occurred to me i posted this on my facebook late last night um there's a place in new orleans is what um made me think of it you go to you go there all the time someone on reddit posted um there's a place called ben's burgers apparently 
and the guy who owns it does rap videos and so he did one about like being open now that like you know places are reopening during the pandemic and it's like fucking great so <laughs> i went to his youtube channel i listened to some of his other this dude is like does great rap videos and apparently has a very famous 24-hour burger place uh in new orleans um i uh i am queuing it up uh <laughs> they're in it's unlikely i'll be there because they're actually in, in metairie which is yeah. not yeah it's it's, oh, a it's little near ways off. New yeah. Orleans, yeah yeah um i i stay very very french quarter local <laughs> when i'm there like it's very rare that i get out of out of the quarter so i don't um, know maybe this uh rap song will change your mind how did you even find, i mean all right so this video only has and i say only you know 4800 views so how, how did this get onto your dude i'm scrolling through one of the uh subreddits that i um follow oh, right. okay i got you yeah. is just our videos and someone just posted like you know this guy's so like it just happened to be in the videos uh subreddit i got you i just i thought there's this isn't exactly viral at 4800 no. views <laughs> well no and there was like 900 views last night when there i watched it so i'm thinking reddit's really doing this guy some favors yeah hey listen go share some of our videos on the our uh, videos reddit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's you can't self promotion is frowned on, so we have to have Correct. someone else do it. Correct. So. All right. <laughs> I know we we really <laughs> lost track of everything. Um, thanks for listening. Um, in the future, as Rob mentioned, uh, our review of Mallory, our review of the Oldie Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, likely, um, which Rob and I have to solidify um, probably tonight or tomorrow, an interview with Paul Tremblay. We're definitely going to reach out to Zoya Stage and see if she'll join us to talk about Wonderland. And it's been a long time since we've had Stephen Graham Jones on. So these are things we expect that you are likely to hear in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this one. Join us next week for, at the very least, a review of Mallory. And until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>